In this latest edition of the TWBC podcast, we're at season's end at the Miami Pro, and we check in with Elizabeth Montavon Island next. The expressed views of the guests on this podcast are theirs alone and not necessarily endorsed by the host, TWBC, or any associated sponsor. Conversations that are robust yet balanced, on point and to the point. You are listening to the talk of tournament water skiing. This is the TWBC podcast. And now, here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Well, greetings one and all, and this is the latest edition of the TWBC podcast. My name's Tony Lightfoot, and I'm glad for your uh, continued support. All right, then, we are at uh, season's end, Miami Pro Slalom at the Greater Miami uh, Pro uh, Water Ski Club, or just the Greater Miami Water Ski Club, a popular venue for uh, for, for scores of, uh, of skiers around this area. And uh, the defended champion from last year's Miami Pro Slalom is right here on this episode, uh, Elizabeth Montavon Island. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Tony. Thank you for having me um, again. As always, it's, it's a pleasure and an honor to get to sit down and chat with you. Oh, why thank you. Why thank you. I'm totally flattered with all of that. But, uh, but yeah, this season's a little bit, uh, been a little bit interesting for you. Uh, a little bit of ups, uh, a little bit of, uh, little bit of downs, uh, injuries and, and whatnot. So kind of take us on a little bit of a mini tour of, uh, of how your season has uh, shaped up up to this point. Yeah, you know, it definitely was not um, what I planned, but that's that's life, right? We don't always get what we planned. Um, so I, I trained all off-season, um, liked the direction I was heading. Um, in May, I started getting ready for uh, some of the LCQs, the Masters LCQs. Um, and about four days out from the LCQ at Hancock, um, I had a really weird fall. Um, similar to the fall that Whitney had at the Worlds, um, if you recall. Yeah. Um, so similar to that, but I was going into my onside versus our um, offside. We're both left foot, left foot forward. Um, and yeah, I, I sustained a concussion, uh, whiplash. Um, I tore the brachialis muscle in my forearm, my left Ooh. forearm. Um, and it was it was brutal. Um, I was I swam down just like she did. I did not know up from down, um, and it was it was brutal. So we went to the hospital, um, and initially they thought I had, they, I had torn off my bicep because of how swollen I was um, in the bicep around my elbow. Um, after doing the MRI, it looked the bicep was fine, um, but it was the brachialis. So it took me. I think I skied again three weeks later. Um, my arm healed quickly. What I did not know and understand at the time was the PTSD that comes with a crash like that. This was not your average slalom fall. Uh-huh. Um, and I've never been a jumper, so I can't relate to crashes of that magnitude, right? And, and trick skiing is trick skiing. You're not yeah. going to fall with as much speed. So um, I've had some bad falls in my day, but that was um, a whole different level. And um, spent a lot of time trying to get back into it and couldn't quite get back into the swing. Um, and just when I thought I was getting there, I dislocated a rib. Um, Sounds like you were rushing. <laughs> you were just chomping at the bit and rushing to get back out in the water and just try and pick up as much as you can from what remained of that season, right? Yeah. I mean, you, when you get the green light from, you know, the medical team that your body is fine, you think, okay, cool, I can I can go back and do this. But it, it's, it comes down to the mind and the mindset. And um, I... I knew nothing. I knew zero about injury-related, injury-specific PTSD. Um, and at that point, you're you're really dependent on people who have experienced that as well and any guidance they can give you because if you haven't experienced it, there's just no relating to it. Um, and, you know, very few people, as far as I know, have had 
what I call the Whitney fall. Um, and yeah, that was, that was a big learning curve that I really had to just go through on, on my own. So I mean, so I mean, May was wiped out for the majority of that month. Uh, June was pretty much wiped out, and then and then July things started getting a little bit more towards normalcy because around about that time you were starting to think about maybe some of the other tournaments that were to come towards the ten of that season outside of Europe. I mean, you, you'd miss the San Gervasio, you'd miss the Kayafas and, and a few of those others, notwithstanding the fact, of course, that you were planning a wedding in Las Vegas <laughs> at that time as well. So there were other priorities uh, going on. Now, in respect to that, those other priorities, those, uh, those things were going on. Did you... Did you feel that that kind of helped you a little bit going forwards a little bit to kind of occupy your mind rather than just focus 100% upon the, the injury you sustained and just, you know, and that going forwards? I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think in hindsight, I'm really fortunate that I had something to look forward to. And um, obviously, it's not ski related, although I did marry a water skier, um, you know, it, that was very special and sacred in, in its own right. Um, but it was hard looking at everybody else ski and ski so well and watching the events on the broadcast and sitting at home because I, I wanted to participate. Um, and so, yeah, I would say that it was, it was really great that my, our wedding date was when it was when it was and the planning was fell when it did because I had something else to think about. But I mean, I, I still thought about skiing a lot. I'm a skier, Tony. I'm going to yes. think about skiing all the time. <laughs> all right. So among those broadcasts, of which you probably witnessed the Masters, uh, Lake 38, uh, there were a few tournaments in Europe. What of, of those performances, I mean, from some, some of your female uh, rivals and competitors, what kind of stood out a little bit for you among, amongst all of those uh, performances? I, you know, I think that in general, the um, average score for uh, the, the women slalom is increasing and I think that's really impressive and so I have to commend all the ladies on that um, I was really really happy for Alice's Italian national record at the Grand Prix um, that was just really special and I'm so happy for her and um, very well deserved um, so I thought that was fantastic as well it's been really cool to see uh, Whitney and Regina and Jamie really battle things out I think that they're all kind of in the same skill level right now um, and that's really cool I, that, you know, when you look at a podium, when it's the three of them, I have to ask somebody, where did the three of them end up? Because I can't just assume it was mm -hmm. one, two and three. Um, so that, that's been fun to watch. But um, it's, it's hard to sit at home and, you know, see everybody getting better. And be like, am I am I getting better by sitting on the couch? Probably not. No. But there's nothing I can do about it right now. Okay, so uh, so the uh, the the amount of times that you that that you the number of attempts you you attempted to get back out in the water to ski, you know, and for whatever reason, uh, athlete related PTSD and all and all of that, you know, by about how many attempts did it take for you to like feel close to being to being normal and like saying okay now i can start thinking about getting back out the water and actually competing again um two weeks ago two weeks two weeks ago from from mid-may to two weeks ago which i think is about six months i could not put a set together but you were a hilltop right 
I was. And I mean, I didn't feel like myself there. I didn't ski well. I know there was commentary on I didn't, you know, the ski didn't look good in the water. But I mean, I take full responsibility for how subpar that performance was for me. Um, I went because I wanted, I, I love the people out there. I love supporting that event. Um, of course, wanted to go with Stevie. Um, it was a nice break from, you know, just being in Florida. But was I ready to ski that event? Absolutely not. Okay. Okay. So I mean, you were just trying to still trying to battle some demons uh, going going in, in, into that event. You know, I mean, you hear that expression a lot, but but I mean, take I mean, taking into account what you just said, I think that's probably the most most appropriate, uh, uh, you know, contemporary expression that you can find to deal with what you're going going through. But your summer had had some happier things go uh, go your way. Uh, your marriage to uh, to Stephen. Yes. Yeah, I mean, which you've been planning. Uh, I mean, not a, not a big fancy schmancy wedding, alone with, with with the marquee and everything, and the like, two hundred guests or anything like that. It was it was pretty simple on the face of it, but this was Vegas, right? It was Vegas. It was um, um, on the t- uh, the um, uh, terrace at the Bellagio. They timed our vows with the fountain. Um, oh so wow! It, it was it was grand, and it's small wedding party of course it was just our parents and our siblings um but the grandeur was kind of everything around us so yeah we kind of flipped the wedding concept on its head and it was perfect oh yeah absolutely i saw some of those uh, photos on instagram and all and all, <laughs> and all of and all of that kind of stuff so what what was ki- what was the kind of out of the ordinary moments that that occurred during during that during that whole deal with the planning and the ceremony and what have you aside from the bellagio fountains going off in sync you know i think that um how laid back I got to be because you know, what we did Tony is there's um, there's such a thing as elopement planners now where it's not just you run away on a whim it's you plan it out but it's going to be a small wedding is and it's somewhere not where you live right so um, I found an elopement planner I liked their work and she said to me okay what colors do you like what flowers do you like what flavor cake do you like I can't promise you're going to get any of it because this is an elopement but I'll try and I told her, and then I was hands-off until the night before the wedding. She texted me and said, I'll see you at 10.15. And I said, yeah, we'll be there. But, I mean, elopement, I mean, uh, I mean by, its, by its very definition, you know, I mean, just involves you and the, other per- and the person that you're going to marry going, o- going off somewhere on a whim without parents or anything else. But, I mean, you, but, I, mean I think your parents on both, si- bo- on both sides were there uh, that deal, right? Yeah, yeah. So we brought our parents. We wanted to use the the wedding budget, if you will, to take the people who have supported us the most on a luxury vacation. Essentially, what it was, and we'll we'll, we'll get married somewhere in the middle of that. But um, you know, our parents have been so supportive of our skiing. Our, our siblings have. Um, they've been supportive of our relationship. Uh, my parents just adore Stevie, um, and so we thought we would treat them to a really nice experience instead of a bunch of people who, while we have a lot of people we love, uh, we just wanted to really give them something special. Yeah, and I mean, and, and I mean, for someone like Dave Island, you know, I mean, he, he, I mean, he served, you know, I mean, I, I, I think that was overload for him, wasn't it, a little bit with all that grandeur and stuff? Dave had a good time, let me tell you. Um, yeah. Dave and, and my dad, Bill, you put those two together and they're going to be there when they close the bar. <laughs> I, I don't know. We, the rest of us just can't keep up with them. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine that, you know, because I mean, because I mean, <laughs> Dave served and, and, and I mean, you, I mean, bet, bet, between your dad and, and, and Stevie's dad, they're almost like chalk and cheese, it would, it would seem. <laughs> 
Oh, I've never heard that saying before, but that's funny. Yeah, no, but they, but they know how to throw down. I think in their age, what they do is they rest, and then they once a year they can really, you know, party hard. And so they rested all year for the wedding, and then they, they were wild. I was, the groom and I were by far the least wild of this entire venture in Vegas. Not what I expected. Yeah, who would have thunk that? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Now, uh, you mentioned uh, when you when you got back out into the water. Let's continue along with, along the water skiing strand. Okay, we could we could go deep into the weeds with the wedding, but, but I mean, yeah, let's go. We're let's here go. for skiing. Tommy. Yeah, we're here for skiing. Yes, indeed, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you for reminding me on that. Okay, so when you when you originally set back set out to go back out into the water and be competitive again in the hilltop things weren't going 100 percent. i mean the ski didn't feel right you know and yeah. and other stuff which which seem which seems to go along a little bit with the fact that you've changed skis now i have you have yeah. uh was, was it was that kind of born out out of that experience at hilltop or were you like thinking okay well you know what? Let's try something different. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm not really uh, where I'm at right now. I want to. I need to make some changes and do it quickly. So you, you know, really, it's it's kind of an old school philosophy. It's really good to get good. It's really easy to get good at something if you're having fun doing it. And I wasn't having fun skiing, no matter how hard I tried. Um, even when I could put together a big score in practice, which would be seemingly fun, um, it was. It did not feel fun for me. And so um, I seriously considered retiring um i even took a couple weeks where i I just did life as a non-skier i got up i worked i took care of the house i you know try this out i can demo it i have nothing to lose at this point because i've skied terribly no workouts no crossfit nothing i'm gonna go to yoga i'm gonna be a green juice girl and do my yoga classes and like i I demoed it i tried it out um i I still miss skiing you know I, i miss it terribly so i I said to Chet, like, we have to figure this this out. We have to do. And he, in his wisdom, who's been through a lot of injuries, he was like, I, two weeks ago, I want you to try my ski. And I'm lucky enough to have a coach who does that for me all the time. He's a ski likes, he takes his boots off of it and gives it to me. Yeah, because you mentioned Chet Rayleigh. I mean, he's been, he has been immune from injuries himself. And as a matter of fact, he's been missing for a lot of this season because he sustained, uh, he, uh, De- detail what it's injured how he's injured himself now he had an, a hip infection in two places um in in his hip one was the ball socket and i forget the other place that the other one was i don't want to butcher it um but they were isolated from each other um but two bacterial infections causing him a great deal of pain um it ate through some of the bone Ouch. um and uh he he would never know from the outside it was a bacterial infection he thought it was maybe um orthopedic or there was a tendon or a ligament that was just irritated so he worked all all spring trying to you know figure out what needs to be strengthened or loosened or whatever and then it got to a point where it was so bad he he checked himself into the hospital um and it was it was a bacterial infection and uh a lot of antibiotics strong antibiotics for a very long time but um he's he looks a thousand times better today than he did back when that was going on he's, he's recovered miraculously okay obviously obviously it went to that point you know to try and get a little bit of a comparison as to how we how he was feeling at that time and how that kind of segues a little bit uh, into the suggestion for you to try something 
different so far as the ski was concerned you know born born out of the injury that you sustained earlier on the season and how you how you've how, how you were feeling mentally at the time yeah yeah he you know he too was on a journey to get back to skiing and um it's kind of something we've gone through together although mine started many many months ago um but he said you're gonna like the ski it's wide underfoot it's stable um it's fast you're gonna get to drive it as hard as you want you're gonna feel very safe but you're gonna get to be aggressive like why don't we just try it out Um, and and that was you know two weeks ago and according to cole mccormick who i spoke to a little bit about that ski i mean if the ski gets behind you a little bit you can still follow through a little bit uh there's still there's still i mean if you get a little bit behind on the course with that particular ski it's it's by no means over you mm-hmm. can you, you yeah you can yeah you can still get a get ahead of the line still get ahead of the boat you know with 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 the right amount of uh, correction or uh, a change on that ski yeah I, I would agree with that statement i mean i have so much to learn about these skis i have a lot of you know conversations i want to have with chris and i have a lot i want to learn um but that's been my experience so far and it was i started having fun again and in seven days i was feeling pretty good i wasn't necessarily running big scores but chet was said to me do you want to go to miami and i was like you know what I w- i'd like to go just to play with everybody else like i would this sounds like fun again and that was the secret was it needed to be fun again and that ski made it fun again so i signed up for this event and you know now i'm here when you said going to miami i had that will smith song like echoing in my head just just a moment <laughs> <laughs> okay which, which which probably goes into the realm of your husband more than yourself but uh, <laughs> but that, that's that's beside the point so you you skied in miami before obviously last year you were uh, you took the title here many congratulations on that from last season if I if I never if I if I had never congratulated you enough before on, <laughs> on, on, on that on that surprise win. Now everyone's got in for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean you you're not the chaser, you are the chased. You know what and I, it, with everything I've dealt with this summer, um, ha- have at me, have at it. Um, I'm I'm here to I'm here to work on my skill and um, to see what this ski can do. And this is not your most traditional site, you know. We, it, it's a little bit rolly, and if the wind comes down the the, um, the the channel, it can get a little blown out. But um, you know, I've had my my fair deal of struggles this summer, and I'm I'm just here to ski. I found out um, a few weeks ago I have something called Hashimoto's disease, which is an autoimmune condition. Um, and that's made training difficult as well. So I, I don't think it could get much harder for me this season. Um, but I'm still here. I'm still going to strap the ski on and I'm still going to work on what I'm working on. Um, so, I mean, have at it. All right, then. I'm just about <laughs> to do my research. Hashimoto disease. Yes. Uh, that, 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 that sounds something that's made up. <laughs> Seriously. It's, um, it's an autoimmune disease. Um, it's very common, yet it's underdiagnosed in the U.S. Um, it's uh, where your immune system attacks your thyroid and kills the thyroid cells. Um, and then your thyroid's ability to produce all of your hormones is greatly impacted. Wow. Um, so, and there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of symptoms of that. Um, but the fatigue, um, especially, has been hard for me. Um, so... I'm very prone to overtraining very easily, which is heartbreaking for me because training is my happy place. Yeah, indeed. So being told if you if you want to ski, you're going to have to train a little bit less. You have to find the threshold, and if you go past the threshold, you're going to have to recover for a few days is, is hard for me as and, well. And no doubt you'll be spending a lot of time just doing that, you know. I mean, not necessarily training at, like, the highest level that you felt comfortable doing before, but it's, fi- but it's trying to find that balance between 
you know just a, a really really light workout in the middle in the middle of the week and somewhere going full bore i mean you can't go full bore anymore you'd have to find a, a, a moderation there and stick stick to to going no higher than that right yeah and that's i mean that's not my mo my mo is is you know train as much as you can out train everybody else that's something that you always have that is available to you if you're not the most skilled you can still train more than your competitors um but now i can't do that necessarily so every buoy matters more because i'm only going to get so many of them in a day every pass matters more and so i have to execute more accurately um, and I, I suppose that's just part of evolving. I have yet to find, I've been trying to, I've been Googling this every way I can. I can't find a single pro athlete who performs at a high level who has Hashimoto's, which is, you know, disturbing. Um, but I'm trying to, I'm determined to find a way to make it all work. Um, and I've got some great medical people on my team right now. And we, um, we're figuring it out. And if any of you are listening to this and have knowledge on Hashimoto's disease, uh, please forward me your information. I'll be more than happy to pass that along to uh, to Elizabeth, uh, who is who's, who's just trying to, who's trying to seek that balance. Now, now obviously your thought process has changed significantly from the time that you injured yourself, the times that you try to recover, try to get ahead of yourself, and to where you are now. I mean, obviously obviously as you go down the season you're trying to think how do i stay competitive what's next season's gonna look gonna look like world championships what a slew of other tournaments i mean how has that changed over the course you know it's it's funny i i don't care what the pro tour standings are i don't care who's on the running order i don't care who's on what ski i i this year i have i could not have cared less and I really need to just focus on me and my skiing and getting better and learning. And when I focus on all the external factors, they only um, take up more space in my head. And that doesn't, I can't control all those factors. So I think if there's anything I've learned this year, it's the importance of staying in your lane and staying focused on what you can control. Because um, I have no other choice now. And of course, having someone uh, apart and next to you guiding you along the way has certainly has certainly been extremely helpful. I mean, having someone with the understanding might, mindset is uh, is really really important, huh? Yeah, I, I'm I'm so lucky, and I don't believe in luck, but I'm so lucky that I let's just say fortunate. Fortunate, we'll go fortunate. Yes, I'm very fortunate that I, you know, have somebody like Stevie in my life and who is committed to me and understands what I'm doing and is is so committed to helping me figure out how to make it work because this is something that we do to spend time together um, and it is it's very special to us. We both want to ski well and sometimes that training gets intense, of course, but um, it's something we understand about each other that we know very few other people would ever be able to understand and relate to um and i'm, I'm really lucky to have him because i think if i didn't have him with everything i'd been through this year i don't know i might i might have taken the whole year off and then reassessed you know in january or something and of course i mean i mean had you have done that i mean i'm sure he would uh, he would have continued to ski and be competitive you know but that little piece of support going forwards from from yourself would have would have would have been would have been missing in that respect yeah, you know, of course, I, I still would have supported him, but um, more just watching from the sidelines, and I'd rather be in the arena with him, if you will. 
Indeed, indeed. All right, then, as these podcasts typically are, they're short, they're uh, they're on point and to the point, as as the intro uh, suggests. So we'll uh, we'll kind of wrap it up a little bit there as you get ready for the 2022 uh, Miami Pro Slalom. Your defense of that uh, of, of of that crown, but as you said, you're not not particularly focused on that. You you're looking to get that feeling back and just trying to just trying to scheme more towards your norms. But I'm going to give this opportunity to say thanks and acknowledge uh, certain people that have that have worked with you and have gotten you back to back to some form of normalcy over what has been a rather tough last few months. So your opportunity presents itself now. Well, you know, as always, the first person I have to thank is is my coach, is Chet Rayleigh. There's not many people who would give you the ski out from under their feet. You know, when they say, this is my favorite ski, you're going to like it too, and then take their boots off of it and give it to you so that you have a chance to ski in an event, and he has done that for me countless times. Um, he's also, I gave him every opportunity this summer to to quit on me. I, I tried to quit skiing. I, I said, this is not possible. I think we knocked... The good skiing out of me when I hit my head, um, and he's you know really the only person who did not give up on me and said we'll find we'll find a way to make skiing fun again and to make it feel normal. Um, and so, you know, if I do have any success this weekend, Tony, it all of it goes to him. It's all you know a tribute to him. Um, and if I don't, he on Monday he's going to say hey we'll still figure it out. So, you know that's that's who I have to thank right now. All right, then. We thank you very much. Uh, that was Elizabeth Montavant Island. Uh, we've got to get used to saying that. <laughs> it's a oh, mouthful. <laughs> it is a bit of a mouthful. But uh, I'm Tony Lightfoot. This has been the latest edition of the TWBC podcast. And until next time, it is ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the TWBC podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC Podcast.